What's up, everybody? I hope you're doing great and just having a wonderful weekend. If you are with us for the first time, my name is Aaron Olinsky. I'm the lead pastor here at Grace, and I'm really excited about what God is doing in and through our church and our community and what God is doing here in with us on this, on this weekend service, on this Sunday morning. Uh, and I'm really excited because God continues to speak to us, right? If we're willing and open to hear to him and open to his Holy Spirit, like he will communicate to us. And, and one of the best ways that he communicates communicates to us is through his word, through his scripture, through, through the Bible. And so we're going to be launching out on a brand new series over the next several weeks, and it starts today, and, and we're going to cover the book of 1 John. Uh, so if you have your Bible this morning, you, go, you can go ahead and open it up to 1 John. 1 John is towards the back of the, of the Bible. You have the book of Revelation, which is last, and if you go just a little bit in front of that, that's where you find the book of 1 John. And if you don't have your Bible, uh, you can certainly use a, a Bible app on your mobile device, or the verses will be on the screen. But I would encourage you over the next several weeks to be taking a look at First John and reading it and following along with us, and, and, and maybe God will speak to you. Because I know every time I open up the Bible, there's something new that just kind of comes out. It's like the Holy Spirit speaks to me through his word, and that's so powerful, because uh, we believe that God's word is given to us from him for our lives, for every single aspect of our life, even to defend against the attacks that the devil might bring against us. We can use God's word uh, to ward those off, which is incredible. And so, so I just want to encourage you, like diving into God's word and reading it and this message as, as we dive into 1 John, like it literally could change your life. It literally could change your perspective. It could turn things around for you. And that's what we believe for. We believe for big things, amazing things. And so if you're a Christ follower, like the, I, I'm, I'm hoping for something amazing. And even if you aren't yet following Christ and you're just here and you're checking the church out, you're checking this whole Jesus thing out, like there's going to be some significant things that you're going to be able to grab a hold of to apply your life. Uh, but as we talk about 1 John, I want to give you a little bit of a background, right? Some context so you understand the book, why it was written, uh, and, and, and what's going to be communicated. And uh, so... 1 John is written by the Apostle John, uh, who was one of the youngest, if not the youngest, of the 12 disciples of Jesus, right? You have the 12, and so then you have John and, and, and many others. And so one of the things that was interesting is John and his brother both got to be disciples, uh, which is really neat. So uh, you have James and John. The thing that was neat was they were called the Sons of Thunder. Uh, I don't know if you're a WWE fan, but that is a great name for a tag team, you know, wrestling team. You know, the it's the sons of thunder. Like it's like John and James. And so it just is lit what, what you know God does and how he gives us nicknames and stuff. And so John actually wrote five books. Uh, that, that end up in our Bible, which is incredible. So you have the Gospel of John, uh, and in there, Jesus in his life. And, and the thing that's interesting is John wrote his Gospel, and in there, he, he calls himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. And it's like, uh, yes, I am the one that he liked the best. And so that's interesting that he would say that about himself. But in fact, when, when you look and, and you read you know, Bible scholars and, and what they feel and think, and uh, in fact, John probably was the best friend of Jesus. Uh, he, like, they were so, so close. Uh, and, and in fact, while Jesus was literally being crucified and on the cross, Jesus speaks out to John about his mom. And he says, hey, John, you know, I want you to be the one that now takes care of my mom. 
And like, that's a big deal. You don't just entrust the care of your mother to anybody. And so that's why we, we read and believe and understand that John was probably the closest uh, to, to Jesus. So you have his gospel, uh, and then you have the book of Revelation, which is the last book of the Bible. John wrote that as well. Uh, and it is, it is about end times. It's about the second coming of Christ. Uh, it's about his return. And that's what we hope for. For those of us that follow Jesus, we want him to come back. And that's super exciting. It's going to happen uh, at some point in time. We don't know when, but we look forward with great anticipation for that happening. So you have the Gospel of John, you have the book of Revelation, and then you have 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And I don't know why he named them 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. I don't know if the creative team just got a little bit dry. They didn't have any other ideas to come up with, but uh, just kind of 1st John, 2nd John, 3rd John. Like, there you go, all three in a row. Uh, and so the, the thing that's, that's neat about those three books and about 1st John is it focuses very much on integrity. It focuses on honor and character. And for us as, as children of God, where we are to be living in our authority as a son or daughter of God, uh, which is so neat to think about. So there's a couple of main elements that stand out in 1 John, and the two main themes are light and love. Uh, no doubt when you read the, this book, there's, it's five chapters long, but when you talk about light and love, like that is our calling. And John is communicating that to us to now, for, for now, for this day and age. We are to be light and we are to be love towards those that are around us. And so he wrote this first book of John uh, to believers. Uh, it was written to, to other churches, so it's called a circular book, where what they would do is John would write and then it would circulate to various churches. It would kind of get handed and passed around, so it's considered a circular book, and, and, but it's only five chapters in length, so it's actually pretty short. But the reason he needed to write this was because there was a, a dangerous belief uh, that was being communicated. It was a heresy, and we now know this as Gnosticism, uh, where literally they, they believed that their mind was the biggest, most important thing, and so it was kind of mind over matter. Uh, if you thought something or if you, you could do it, then it, it could actually happen. Uh, and, and it was that they, they believe that that knowledge brings about the redemption of us uh, as people in our souls and our spirit. And they do not believe that Jesus was God's son. Uh, in fact, they don't even believe that there's consequences for sins in our body. And so part of the reason they believe that is because there was uh, a lot of sexuality during that time. And so they were, they were committing sexual sins in their body. So then in their beliefs, they uh, adopted the idea that, hey, there's no consequence for the, these types of sins. And so what's happening is you have these heresies uh, that are being communicated. And the people that believe this, they had missionaries too, right? Christians aren't the only ones that have missionaries. They had missionaries, and so there, there were people in the church that were getting confused. Uh, they, they, were, they, were trying to, they were listening to these things. They were being persuaded. They had lots of questions. They had doubts. They were very hesitant and confused about what these other people were saying, and say, that, like not say, saying that Jesus isn't true or real. And so John wanted all the people in the church to be confident, as one of God's children. And so he wrote this book for them to, so that he recognized and would identify who Jesus is and we would be able to adopt that in our lives so that we could know him so well just the same way that John knew Jesus. And so let's take a look at 1 John chapter 1 and we're going to start in verse 5. It says, This is the message we heard from Jesus. And now we declare it to you. God is light. 
and there is no darkness in him at all. And so we get this about God. God is shining, he's gleaming, he's vibrant about who he is. There's perfection in him, perfection about him and who he is. There, there is no flaw in God whatsoever. And so many times we believe that God is powerful and God is strong and God is Father, God is loving. But when we get exposed to his light, what happens is sometimes we feel inferior because we get exposed to this powerful penetrating light. It continues in verse six. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth, but if we're living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sins. And you can see in there that John is attacking specifically the Gnostic beliefs where he's saying, whoa, 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 Jesus is the one that brings salvation. It has nothing to do with yourself. It has nothing to do with your mind or what you're thinking. Literally, it's because of Jesus' salvation and his forgiveness. And he also addresses the fact that we should reflect Christ's glory uh, in our lives. Because if we're not doing that, then we're living in duplicity. Uh, it's just the reality. So we are to be light. And so when you think about light and to again that God is light, so what is light? Right? When you and I see it, you know, the spotlights are on in the back, they're shining on me. So for all the engineers in the house, I know that light is electromagnetic waves, uh, right, that our human eyes can see and we can connect with those. There are waves that we can't see, but we can see the, the rays that produce light. But what's the purpose of light? Right? So we're going to touch on different aspects of light and that God might shine amazing, incredible things. So the first thing, it no doubt, is that light illuminates. Right? Just very simply, light illuminates. So if you, you walk into your bedroom, you turn the light on so you can see what's in the room, what's going on. And when you're driving at night in your vehicle, you turn the headlights on or they come on automatically so you can see at night. Uh, maybe you're out at the beach and, and you want to see the sun as it breaks the horizon, right? That, that's what light is. Light illuminates everything. You know, for me in my life, you know, when I was a little kid, I was a little bit afraid of the dark. Uh, I was born in upstate New York, uh, just a little bit north of New York City. I grew up in a, in, a, in, a, in a fantastic area and our family actually lived on a dead end road uh, for a period of time, which when you're a kid, that's great because there's not a lot of traffic. You can play in the street. There were tons of kids and families on our street. So we always were playing in the yards and doing wonderful things, just a lot of exploring. We had ponds and streams on our street. It just was the best, best place for a kid to grow up. Well, the house that we grew up in, of course, like just about every single northern home, it had a basement right? Basement. And, and so what, it was a cool, cool place to be, not only just in temperature, but it was neat, right? Just neat because we would be down there. We would have toys down there. We would do stuff, just a cool space to play in. As long as the light was on in the basement, right? So when you're the third child in a family and you have older siblings, that love the idea about torturing their younger brother, and when the light switch is at the top of the stairs of the basement, and you're down in the basement, you're back playing, and they decide it's gonna be a great idea to turn the light off when you're downstairs, like that's scary. I don't know what, it, what it's like for you, but like that's scary because you can't get up the stairs fast enough to turn the light back on because the monsters are behind you, and you're afraid that they might get you. Right? So we know light, right? We understand light and what it provides for us in our life. But when we talk about spiritual light, 
right? I mean, this is so important for us in our life. Like God is light. He is spiritual light. There is no darkness in him at all. And so every single one of us, when we talk about light and living in light, every single one of us, we fall into one of three categories. Uh, The first is that you would say that you are living in love and light. You're like, I'm following Jesus. I'm living in the light. Or maybe you're on the opposite side of that right now, and you would say, no, I I just kind of realize I'm not connected with Jesus, so based on what you're saying, I'm living in darkness. Or maybe you're right in the middle where you're straddling the fence. You know, so all of us are in one of those three categories. And so I just want to give you a couple of scripture. If you're in the last two groups, it says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 13, it says, but their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. For the light makes everything visible. This is why it said, awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light to take the monsters away, right? We all know that. Like, we get it. We understand. And so God's word, it gives us illumination uh, in our life. It gives us direction. His voice speaks to us. It's guiding for us. It shows us. It leads us in every single area of our life. And so light illuminates. Light also reflects doesn't it? I mean, light can bounce off of different things and shine in a different spot. If I pulled up a mirror, you would see the light reflecting in the different areas. The moon, it reflects the the light from the sun. Uh, And we, when we understand this concept, we are to reflect the light of Jesus to the world uh, because there is darkness in the world. And so we're to reflect that. And so we ourselves, we're not perfect and we know that and we get it, but we are able to reflect the perfection of Christ. Uh, to other people that are in and around us. And in fact, Jesus spoke to this very importantly in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. He says, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, they light a lamp and they place it on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. And so we get that. We understand about light, right? It illuminates and, and it reflects and light also energizes. Uh, the, the studies have shown, they have proven that when you wake up in the morning, if you, are, if you expose yourself to bright light, whether that's the light in your room or the sunlight from the outside, it literally, it releases serotonin uh, in our bodies. And that makes us more productive uh, throughout the day. It, it, it's proven, it's shown. And so when we capture the power of the sun, uh, it also can energize things, right? We can provide energy to houses, to cities, to countries, even potentially the entire world from the power of, of, of sunlight. And so when you think about this and understand what light is and how God energizes us, right? God enables us. He empowers us. He emboldens us to live lives that are worthy of him. And so all these things are taking place because of, the, because of, of light and goodness and, and because of God's power. It talks about this in Zechariah 4 verse 6. It says, it's not by force or by strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord of heaven's armies. It's only because of God and his light, because of his goodness, because of Christ, because of the spirit in our lives that we are able to walk in the light and reflect light. And so the next part that I kind of want to talk about in this service is, so how? 
right? So, okay, I get it. I get it. We need to be light, reflect light. I, I, I want that. So how do we do this? And in 1 John, like, it gives us just this incredible confidence that we can have in our life, that where we can walk in the light. And so the first thing that John talks about is that we need to walk in relationships, okay? And this is in verse 7. Uh, I read this already, but let me read it again. It says, but we're for walking in the light as God is in light, then we have fellowship with each other, all right? Those are the relationships. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from uh, cleanses us from all sin. And so the reason that John wrote this was because there were people that were leaving the church, that they were falling, you know, being persuaded by, by these heresies and they were being led in a wrong direction. And it's like, whoa, 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 like you can't have a strong relationship with God without having relationship with people, with others. That's just the way it is right? That's the way that God designed us. He, he organized it that way. And so for us as a church, we follow in that model. So one of the things we talk about often is our connection groups. And we say that we're better together because of being in a group. That's just reality. We need each other. You know, and for me, like I, I'm, I'm a people person. I, I enjoy people. I love being around people. I love talking to people. I, I am extroverted. I enjoy company. I love having people over. I love going to people's houses. I love meeting people for lunch. I love meetings because they're with people. And so that's just the reality. And so I can talk to just about anybody. I can find something to relate with them about. And so one of the things that's always interesting to me is where my seat is at a wedding reception. Like, I don't know how many weddings you get to go to, but I've officiated a number of weddings over the 20 years of ministry that I've been in, and I've attended a lot of weddings. And so even if I'm only attending to support the bride and the groom and their families, the bride and the groom, they know who I am. They know what I do for a living. So they have a decision to make right? Where are we going to put the preacher for the reception? Where are we going to put him? Like, what table is he going to be at? So I've been in a lot of different seats, and, and so sometimes they put me next to weird Uncle Harry. They're like, well, he, he, can, he can listen to him, and like, maybe he can help weird Uncle Harry, and or they put me next to the person that drinks too much. Well, maybe, he, maybe Pastor Aaron will rub off on them. Maybe he'll talk to them. Maybe they'll listen to him this time. And so here's the deal. Like I've sat in a lot of different places, and I am who I am. And I love, love, love the, the aspect that God uses me in people's lives, and, other, and God uses other people in my life uh, to, to have this desire to grow. Uh, and the Lord, it's extremely important because with our, in, our, in relationships, we can encourage each other right? And, and spur each other on and, and pray together and hang out and have fun and have a good time. And, and so we need people around us. And John is speaking to this very, very directly in our lives. To have the light, we must have relationships. The other thing that we need in order to walk in the light is transparency. Uh, this is touched on in verse 8. He says, if we claim we have no sin, then we're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. And so transparency, right? To understand this, if we claim we have no sin, but to Adam and Eve, right? Adam and Eve sounds similar. Uh, it, to me, it, it, it makes reference a little bit to Adam and Eve, right? Adam and Eve, they knew what, what they were supposed to do. They, they had it perfect. Everything was great for them. And then all of a sudden, they, they got tempted and they fell into sin. And then they hid. 
They're like, oh, no, let's, let's go hide. Let, let's pretend that this didn't happen. You know, and then they, then they sewed some clothes so they could hide themselves. And, and then they blamed, right? Well, God, God shows up. What happened? What's the deal? And Adam's like, man, she, like, totally. And, and, and then Eve is going, oh, the, the serpent. Like, he, he made me. And pers-. Like, so they're blaming and pointing at each other. And, and they're trying to minimize what's going on. So, and God is going, no, no, no. Like, this is a big deal. And so we hide, Right? When we commit sins or we do things that we don't want other people to know about, we hide. We hide them. We hide in our lives. We don't talk about them. We have secrets, right? Things that we're ashamed of. And, and so I would say very directly, John is touching on this aspect where transparency is liberating for us. It is extremely liberating because, in fact, Jesus talked about, that, about this in, in Mark's gospel in chapter 4, verse 22. It says, for everything that is hidden will eventually be brought into the open, and every secret will be brought to the light. And so one of the things that is really important to me is accountability. Uh, accountability in Christian relationships, and I feel that it's lost its importance. Uh, I don't know how long you've been following Christ. For me, it's been my whole entire life. So I, and during the 90s, there was a, a, an incredible movement for men called Promise Keepers, and, and accountability was one of the stances that they took, and, and there, there was a, a, a tenet that was really important to them. It used to be really popular, but I think what happened over the last couple of decades is we just got too busy. Uh, we got too busy in our life. We, we crowded our, our life with other things and calendar and schedule, and so what got pushed aside was this aspect of relationship and having transparency in an accountability relationship. And so I know for me, in my life, I need accountability. I just, I need it. I need a person or people that I can just say, hey, this is what I'm dealing with. This is what I'm struggling with. Uh, because I know that I was not meant to travel alone. Uh, and if I'm traveling alone, then I feel lonely. And I don't like that feeling. And so we need this in our life. I mean, we need a small, select group of people or single person that we know and love and trust because darkness conceals and light reveals. And that's deep. Like that, that's got to penetrate our soul a little bit, right? And so we've got to get that. And so if something is in the dark, the best way to kill it is to bring it out into the light. And so walking in relationships and having transparency to walk in the light, we must have those two things. And then we have to have this aspect of confession. The third thing is to walk in confession. It continues in verse 9. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all the wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we're calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our heart. And so this is clean, right? We get to be clean. We get to be forgiven. We get to be pure. And the thing that's incredible when you talk about having transparency and having confession, God already knows what we've done. He already is aware of it. He knows it. But he wants us to confess it. He wants us to bring it out. He wants this peace inside of us where we expose our weakness, our struggle before him. And we've got to have this aspect of confession. 
I mean, if you're a parent, you, you probably have done this with your children, right? If your kid's playing with another kid and they're just being kids, right? They're being normal and your kid does something to the other kid. I, I don't know, like takes his toy or punches him in the face. I don't know, but he does something that kids do, right? And, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, you know, you can't do that. You shouldn't do that. And, and you need to apologize, right? I mean, how many times you need to say you're sorry? And then they're like, I'm sorry. And you're like, no, 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 you got to say it and mean it, right? How, we say that all, you got to mean it. So the kid's like, I'm sorry. Like, you know, they just, like, we get it. We totally understand. And so there's this aspect of confession of sin where it reveals our secrets, our wrongdoings. And, and the thing that's incredible is healing, right? The healing takes place when we admit these things and, and confess them and where we apologize to God where we go, God, I am so sorry for the bitterness that I've been holding in my heart against my spouse, against my ex, against my boss, against, against my dad and my mom. Lord, the bitterness that, I, that I've been raging inside of me, the anger that's been driving inside of me. God, I, I'm so sorry. I don't want that anymore. The sexual sin that I've committed that I'm ashamed of, that I know is not right, that I, that I wouldn't want anybody else to find out about, the gossiping that I'm doing behind other people's back when I say things I don't want them to know it because I'm saying it behind their back. And the lying that I'm committing, if anybody found out the truth, God, I'm so sorry for all those things. And so what happens is when we do that, the confession, it exposes the sin. It brings light and it lifts the weight off. Um, it does. It just, it removes the pressure of being fake. Uh, I don't know if you are aware or not, but one of the greatest fears for us as human beings is that we will be exposed for who we really are. We know who we are. And many times we're ashamed of that. And we, we are so glad that people don't know what we're thinking or what we say about them. And so, man, this, this, there's something powerful in this. We don't want to get found out that we're afraid of that. But God already knows. He knows our thoughts. He knows our feelings. He knows our emotions. Uh, in scripture, it says he knows our coming and our going. And so if we allow him to come in our life and to shine where we can have this confession and transparency, where we confess, uh, it literally says that we are forgiven and we're restored and we want this. We need this in our life. And so let me just touch a little bit in, in chapter two, right? It, it, John continues at the beginning of chapter two. He says, my dear children, I'm writing this so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins and not only our sins, but the sins of all the world. And so Jesus, he was perfect in every form and every fashion. He was the light of the world, but he became sin. He took sin on. He took the weight that you and I know as sin, and he took that on himself. And then he was buried. He was put in a tomb. But then the thing that's incredible is what happens? The stone is rolled away. Jesus comes out into the light, right? He rises from the dead miraculously and, and, and is, brings light 
into our lives. And so I don't know where you are in your relationship with God, but the life that you desire and that you long for, it only comes as a result of surrendering to Jesus and committing to follow him because you don't have to walk in the dark any longer. You don't. I mean, God already knows our sins. And so there might be some of you here where you have not yet made a commitment to follow Jesus. And that can happen right now. I mean, that can happen in this moment. And then just a second, I'm going to ask that you would raise your hand and we'll pray together. Uh, But man, God might be moving on your heart right now, or you might feel the Holy Spirit and you're going, I need that. I need that so badly. Where you recognize that you need Christ to be your savior and restore you and bring redemption in your life because he paid the price for all of our sins. But then there may also be a group of us where, gosh, we just, we recognize that we're straddling the fence uh, and we recognize that it's some of the decisions that we've made. It's some of the things that we've allowed to be in our life. And the darkness is kind of crowding out the light and we feel it. And I'll tell you what, there is no better place. There is no better time than right here and right now where we can be in God's presence. And he already knows what we've done. And so he just wants us to come just with honesty and transparency. And and he wants to shine his light on us and that, that it gets exposed. And there is extreme liberation and freedom that comes with that. And so let's... Let's right now, if everybody in the auditorium, if you would be willing to bow your head and close your eyes, uh, just to, if you right now could reflect in this moment and what God is saying to you, how the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, how God's word has just kind of penetrated your heart right now. I talked about uh, categories earlier in my message. I talked about a group of people that are living in the light and in love. And if you're doing that, way to go. That's awesome. You know exactly what I'm talking about and you are encouraged as a result of today's message. But if you are not yet following Christ, this is the moment where you can do that. In scripture, it says very clearly that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is God's son, he paid the price for us, that we can be saved and that our spirit is rejuvenated and renewed and that we get life in Christ. And so if that's you, where you know you need to make a commitment to follow Jesus or you know you need to recommit your life to Christ, where maybe you're straddling the fence and you're going, oh, this is not right, it's not good. If you would do me a favor, just in your honesty and transparency, just between you and I and God, just go ahead and slip your hand up in the air right now. You know it. Yeah, go ahead and put it up. Thank you so much. I see your hands. Yeah, anybody else, just go ahead and put it up. Where we make a a declaration that we need Jesus. So during this time, I'm going to pray. And and for those of you that put your hands up, you can pray along with me. Even repeat the prayer that I'm saying. There's nothing special about the words that I'm saying, but God sees our heart and who we are. And then I'm going to also pray just a prayer of forgiveness for all of us. As the lead pastor of the church, I get that opportunity to do that biblically. And so, but I need you to buy in as well, where your confession has to take place uh, as well. And so let's pray. For those of you that had your hands up, go ahead and pray with me right now. Just say, God, I know I need you. Jesus, I recognize that you are God's son. I see and understand and know that you died on the cross for me. And right now I surrender my life to you.
I'm tired of trying things on my own with my own effort. I'm tired of failing and falling. I'm tired of the shame and the guilt. And Jesus, I ask that you would come into my life. Would you remove all of that? I commit my life to you. I want to be passionate for you. I want to live for you. I want to follow after you with all that I am. That you would restore me and change me in all that you are. God, thank you for what you're doing in our lives right now. And Father, for so many of us, Lord, I pray just in Jesus' name that your forgiveness would come. Lord, your Holy Spirit is so powerful, so redemptive. Lord, it's convicting where right now our sins, just they're flashing before our eyes and, and we're trying to break free. We're trying to crawl through the darkness. We're trying to turn on as many light switches as we can. Lord, right now, would you shine your light on us? And we confess, we are guilty. We are guilty with the things that come out of our mouth. We're guilty of the things we think in our mind, the things that are in our heart, the things that we've done, that we've allowed ourselves to do. We are guilty. But God, we confess those before you right now. And Lord, you do not hang guilt over us, but you bring redemption and forgiveness and cleansing. And Lord, right now, we declare the, the fact about what your scripture says, that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So we declare your word and we thank you for your presence in our life. God, would you bring that removal of our sin and forgiveness that we would walk in the light as you are in the light, God. We praise you and we glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen.